Right. So, and, and, you know, if you haven't read Think and Grow Rich, if you haven't read, you know, As a Man Thinketh, if you haven't read Rich Brand and Babylon, that's your fault. Like, they're available for free to listen to, right? Like, get to the library, get no, the I do. Those are three of my favorite books. I, in fact, the Habit Factor gives away As a Man Thinketh as a as a free gift, if you will. You know, it's been out of copyright, but we prettied it up. And The Richest Man in Babylon is absolute genius. And Think and Grow Rich is is fantastic. So, yeah, I uh, you're putting it a little tougher, tough love, and I, and I like well, it. It's but all right. It's, I like it. It's it's, you know why it's tough love? Because I, I really want people to stop complaining about life being hard and choosing better. Like I was born right in a small town, in a mining town, a blue collar town. Right. To to a mother who worked and a dad who worked. Um we you know, my brother and I shared a bedroom until I was in grade eight. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. We lived in a, in a blue collar, you know, small part of the city until I was in grade nine or 10. Right. Uh, I got, I got 64% in high school and I got 62% in college. It took me th- four years to finish a three year degree. Welcome to the habits to goals podcast with Martin Grunberg. It's time to take control of your life. Are you ready to achieve goals faster and more consistently than ever before? You need the habit factor. You're listening to Habits to Goals, the podcast that helps you create the habits that lead to success. And here is Martin Grumberg. All righty, here we go. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me. My name is Martin Grunberg. You have reached Habits to Goals Today, we have another legendary Canadian. I I have seen this guy speak. He's a fantastic speaker. In fact, he's done a TED Talk. I believe the, the title was, yeah, let's raise kids to be entrepreneurs. He is a visionary leader. Let's welcome Cameron Harold to the show. Cameron Harold, how are you doing, sir? <laughs> Good, Martin. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking to you today. It's a pleasure and an honor. Um, we like to kick off the show customarily, Cam, with something called the GTR, which is our Good Things Report. It's just a way to boot things into high gear with a uh, something positive. Sure. So... Something positive. Um, I just got off the phone with or off a, a Zoom call with a co-author of a book that I'm working on. I've got four books out already, but my fifth book will be coming out this September on how to generate free PR. And uh, my co-author is a former CEO that I used to coach. And we did a lot of free PR and taught him how to do free PR. And they really crushed it. And he approached me to co-author a book that I'd already 90% written. So we're just literally talking about the marketing and finishing off of the book. So that's kind of exciting. That's amazing. And uh, thank you for saying that because as we were chatting in the open, I'm like, there's just so many things I can throw into the open. Somehow <laughs> I failed to mention you're a multiple times best-selling author. Some of uh, some of my favorite books I love. I really like Double Double, but my favorite part of that was probably getting into the vision and his latest book is vivid vision. And in between there, in between all of them is something called, <laughs> which reminded me meetings suck. So we're going to, 
We're going to get into that as well. Uh, well, that's a great GTR. Who is the co-author? Are you allowed to share or are you keeping that secret? Yeah, the, the co-author of the free PR book is Adrian Salmanbeck, and he's the uh, the founder of two companies. One is called DNA11. They're an artwork company of your DNA. And then the second company is called Canvas Pop. Um, and they would take photos and upload it onto the canvases and ship it out and doing millions of dollars in sales in both. And then I also co-authored The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs with Hal Elrod. Which is great. We had him on a couple, well, we did the interview a while back, but his his uh, episode was released just uh, a couple weeks ago. Fantastic. Awesome. Fantastic interview. Amazing, inspirational guy. And what his story he brought um, to, to the audience. So many great lessons. Uh, well, I guess it's my turn. My GTR real quick. A couple things. Usually... I limited to one. Uh, I got a good report from my mother who just flew back to Sweden, her mother country, the motherland, so to speak. Um, and the good report there is her heart. She's just had some heart challenges. So that's, that's stabled out and it has been, um, sounds like much more positive recently. Uh, next to that. This is coming into this meeting. <laughs> sprints. I was doing this. So this is my GTR. I've been doing sprints and then all of a sudden, um, they, I don't know if you do this. I know you're working out all the time, but, but incorporating sprints has been kind of a game changer to me. And it, I've, I, it's, it's just funny when you turn 50 and I don't think you've been there yet. I've uh, been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it does some things to you and you start, you start looking, at least I have at the, uh, you know, just my physical fitness. And so anyways, my sprints have just absolutely been off the charts and that is my second GTR. Let's get into a bit of the background, Cam. As we tend to do, let's kind of reset the story as it relates to growing up and like we don't want to spend too much time there, but but take us back to kind of where you grew up, where you went to high school and some of your uh, education, of course, that led to your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, and I think it's it's actually important because it actually really dovetails into my habits as well, I and mean, that's what the focus is. So, sure, um, you know, my entrepreneurial habits really started because I was groomed as an entrepreneur. My father groomed my brother and sister and I all to be entrepreneurs, and today we all own our own companies. Um, we all owned our own company when we were all in college. So I had twelve employees when I was in second year university. My brother had about ten as well, and my sister had around the same. So we all ran companies uh, in high school and college that we owned um, and do that today. I was really not that big of a fan of, of school. Um, I didn't get it. I didn't understand why we were learning what we were learning. It didn't seem to have any point. I didn't understand why we were learning about a war that happened 200 years before and made it in. <laughs> I wanted to learn about business. So I studied it and I read about it and I watched it and I learned it and I did it. And I learned more by being involved in things than by showing up in class. And I also learned at a very young age that all the secrets were already in the back of the textbook. There was no point in studying it because the book was already written. 
So I just ignored the normal course of studying and realized pretty early on that a C average was okay. You know, getting 65% was fine because if I needed to look up the answers later, I had the textbook. So I, I really pushed back against the classic education very early on in high school and in university. So I didn't really learn much that would make me successful today from school other than how to find the shortcuts and how to work around the system and how to collaborate and work together as teams. Um, I learned more from actually running businesses and uh, even my TED talk that I did eight years ago that's still on the main TED.com site about raising kids as entrepreneurs. I think I had about 18 different business ventures by the time I was 20 years old and I I still talk about the lessons that I learned from each of them today. So, and, and there was one other, in terms of siblings, uh, a sister and a brother? Correct. Yeah, one of each. And so what was your first entrepreneurial venture? The first real one that I had employees with was a company called College Pro Painters, and it turned out to be the largest residential house painting company in the world. I was a franchisee for them in second, third, and fourth year university. And then I went on and worked for the head office in coaching and mentoring uh, franchisees and actually recruiting, hiring, training, and coaching franchisees. Um, In fact, Kimball Musk, Elon's brother, I hired and recruited and trained him and also his cousin, Peter Reeve, who built Solar City. They were both employees of mine in 1993. So I had had actually recruited and trained and coached 120 CEOs by the time I was 28 years old. Um, So you think at a pretty young age and having that diverse leadership skill set, I didn't recognize it at the time, but I pretty much had a world MBA by the time I was 28. Absolutely. And – um, I'm wondering if it's worth throwing out a name, but I know a guy who's, who's come out of the, you know, college pro painters world. And he, uh, just like you grew, grew a division down here in San Diego. I think it was called something slightly different, but college just, works. Yeah. <laughs> there Matt, you go. Stewart, Matt Stewart, Jason Reed, or Mark Moses, uh, Modelli. No, I don't know that I one, but he was probably, remember, a, probably but, a part of the College Works group. Yeah, yeah, College Works, and then he grew it, and he sold out his uh, partnership share, I guess, just a few years ago. But but those are just some incredible skills to have, and they just they just hammer the sales process, right? Yeah, and, like you, you think that by 28 years old, I was responsible for recruiting and training almost 2,000 total employees. Um, you know, 120 CEOs that that's a lot of skill set that I was able to, to bring forward. And even, you know, when I built 1-800-GOT-JUNK, I came into 1-800-GOT-JUNK as the chief operating officer when they had 14 employees. I left six and a half years later and we had 3,100 employees system wide. So I was able to take the skills that I'd used from College Pro Painters and, and a couple other businesses in between and really grow that next brand as well. Well, that's where I was just going to go. So you... What does that transition look like? How you was that direct? Was it straight out of uh, the College Pro Painters to Eight Hundred Got Junk? Or well, yeah, I left College Pro Painters and I became a, a minority partner in a chain of auto body collision repair shops in Canada. It's known as Boyd Auto Body. In the U.S., it was known as Gerber Auto Collision. We built that up. Um, I helped them go from seven locations to sixty-four locations, and then we took the company public. I exited and was brought on as president of a private currency company. So much like what Bitcoin would be today, although this was 20 years ago, we had thir- we had 3,000 companies, sorry, 3,000? 13,000 companies using our digital currency instead of the U.S. dollar. 
we had Starwood Hotels, Davis Rent-A-Car, Budget Rent-A-Car, Hard Rock Cafe, the Bose Stereo, all using our digital currency instead of the U.S. dollar. Um, and that was 20 years ago. So I ran that business um, and then we sold it to another public company. And then I left to become the CEO at 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And I was, um, that would have been, I was 35 years old starting 1-800-GOT-JUNK-UP. So, so go back. What was the digital con- currency there? Uh, it was called ubarter.com. Today it's called ITEX and um, still exists today. It's a public company. It's just under the radar because people are so enamored with these things like Bitcoin and Ethereum. But what they right. realize is barter dollars have been around for probably 50 or 60 years. Very, very similar concept. It's backed by nothing other than people's acceptance in a currency. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, I could give you, I could go on and on about the barter world and, and how strong our digital currency was um, and how we ran, like I ran the central economy for it. So we were chatting a bit about um, ch- kind of before the open when with 1-800-GOT-JUNK, you came in, you said there were, there were 14 employees, something like that. Yeah. There were, and, yeah, there were 14 employees at the head office. Um, we were in 12 cities uh, with just startup franchisees. And when I left, we were in 330 cities, 46 states, and four countries. And when did you leave? What year was that? I left uh, 11 years ago next week. I left in 2007. So I was there six and a half years. That's incredible. And then when you write Double Double, which was that your first work? Your yeah, first Double book? Double was my first book. I wrote that. It came out about seven years ago. Okay. Um, and I really had no desire to write a book, but I really wanted to codify the systems that I was using to grow companies all over the world. And I was coaching all these clients from all over the world. They wanted my systems for their employees to read. And the speakers bureaus wanted something to raise my fees and raise my credibility as a speaker. That's fantastic. And then when in that book, you talk about the significance. It's kind of the um, precursor, if you will, to vivid vision. I mean, in there is a solid chapter on on the importance of vision and vivid vision and do you mind talking about some of that right now? Sure. So, and I actually talk about it in, um, so my, my third book that came out, Vivid Vision. Right. And then also in The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs, I put some content in there as well. The idea with a vivid vision is this, that as a human or as a family or as a business, often the leaders have an idea of what they want their lives to look like, but they don't tell anybody else. You know, the the person, you know, might have an idea of what they want their life to look like, but they don't share it with their friends or their family or their partner, but they know in their mind what they want themselves to look like in three years, you know, or a family, you've got a spouse, like a husband and a wife building a traditional family. You know, the wife might have an idea of what she wants the family to look like over the next few years. And that the husband might have an idea, but if they don't share those ideas, they're not on the same page. And in the business world, the CEO often has an idea of what they want the company to look like. But if they don't tell anyone, then how can they possibly, you know, get all their employees to get on the same page? And I think that's the the big problem is that often the employees are guessing about what the company is supposed to look and feel like. Um, and the entrepreneur is frustrated that nobody can read their mind. So I codified this idea that if you lean out into the future three years and you describe what you see in such vivid detail, you can create a four or five page written document 
that describes your company or your family or your life three years from now, and you, you describe it in such vivid detail that people can then figure out how to make each sentence of that come true. You know, one or two things that'll make each sentence come true. You know, you talked about, you know, doing, um, doing speed work. Um, I'm doing my fartlek run today. Like I'm heading out to my son's baseball game. I'll get there, but an hour before his game starts and I'll run my speed work drills on the track before his game starts. And then while he's doing his practice, I can just get my run in, but my running is important to me. And it's part of me decompressing and de-stressing. And then, also being at his game is important, but it's a nice way to fit it in as I can do my run at the same time as he's practicing baseball before his game starts. So this is, and if, I tell, if I tell friends that, that, that running is important or hiking is important or golf's important, when they call me and say, Hey, do you want to get together for a beer? I go, no, but do you want to go hike? And they go, yeah, let's go hiking. So now I can, I can get my hiking in and I can still get together to talk business. Right. Over a hike, right. Or over a game of tennis or over a game of golf, not, the classic, you know, lunch or dinner all the time. So what about people who don't think of themselves as visionaries? They don't they don't see themselves as having a great imagination. How how do you coach or help people to strengthen that uh, skill? I think it's less of an imagination. It's more of what do you want your life to look like or what do you want your relationship to look like or what do you want your business to look like? You know, when he, I've known Elon Musk for since 1994, 95, I met Elon for the first time. He has an ability to dream at a different level than most people. You know, the reason that the Model S, do you know why the Tesla Model S has a seven seat option? I do not. He's got five kids. There you go. So could he ever build a car that he couldn't fit his family in? That makes no sense. So it has to be able to fit his five kids, two boys, you know, twins and triplets, and he's got to be able to, um, to, to be as sleek and sexy and fast as his old McLaren F1 was, and it's got to have a good price point that people would buy it. And then he was crazy enough to say, who wants to help me build it? So that's, that's vision is just deciding what you want and then figuring out how to make it happen. So it's, this, it's, it's kind of your health, like, what do you want your health to be like? What do you want your relationships to be like? And then how do you make that happen? You, okay. You so, so the word I tend to use is idealization. It's, sure. it's, if, if we don't want to call it imagination, maybe it's idealization. Like what, what do you want it to look like? And then your point among others, is that, that then it needs to be shared. So first you articulate it, you write it out for yourself. You can even add pictures. I mean, uh, you've shared, I've seen so many of yours where you're making a PDF with beautiful, <laughs> you know, photos and graphics and you, you spell out what the story is, what the vision is. We're talking three years out and that is a vivid vision. I'm just thinking, for the person who may be hearing this idea for the first time, what what I tend to see or hear is people just, they box themselves in and they don't think that they have, you know, the capacity to be this visionary or they don't think they have this great imagination. So so I love what you're saying about this idea of of just asking yeah. rather than trying to paint a picture, just ask, what do you want it to look like? Yeah. So what I do, let's say I was an individual just dreaming about my normal life. I would get out of my office or get out of my house and I'd grab a notepad and a pen and I'd go somewhere around nature, somewhere I was inspired at a lake or at a park or at the ocean or in the mountains, somewhere where I could just be inspired by nature for half a day. 
And I would sit down and I would mind map and think about, you know, my life. How do I want my fitness to be like? How do I want my, my you know, relationships with myself or relationships with my friends, relationships with family? How do I want my eating habits to be like? What do I want my hobbies to be? What are my daily, you know, habits like? And I start describing them all as if I'm standing in the future describing me. And, and when you just let your mind drift and start doing a mind map, that's a great starting point. And then you can write up a first rough draft that might be a two or three page written description of everything. Then you can go on Upwork or Fiverr and get somebody to polish it and make it jump off the page. You know, you get a really great copywriter to help you polish it up. And then the same thing, go on Upwork or Odesk or Fiverr and get a designer to add some graphic design elements to it to make it feel like you. And, you know, there it is. It's out the door. Um, you know, even in the Vivid Vision book, I talk about giving samples out to people so they can see and feel like, um, you know, what the what their future looks like. They, they can see somebody else who's written them and get some examples for themselves as well. So anybody who's listening can get those samples too. That's, yeah, that is so good because I think sometimes people, they, 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 I'm just trying to think of what are those limits or limiters. They they either think that they don't have the capacity to paint this picture or see this vision, or they begin to think, who am I to, to dream like this, right? So, yeah. So the first part is, is I talk about getting stuck in how pies, like don't worry about how you're going to make it happen. First, just worry about what it looks and feels like, and then start worrying about who can help you make it happen. You know, who can you hang out with that will help you with your sports? Who can you go hiking with? Who can you go running with? Who can you have healthy relationships with? Who can you learn from? Who's like podcasts are free. Which ones can you listen to? Um, you know, books are, are basically free. Which ones can you read? Um, or listen to an audible. Like I think people get stuck in this, but also my world isn't the people that get stuck. Like I, I really work with high powered entrepreneurs that are growing companies that are, are kind of, um, narcissistic enough to say, get out of my way. I'm building this. Uh, right, in fact, right. I probably, I probably affiliate more with the entrepreneurs who didn't do well in school because they knew school was shit and they didn't want to be around it. And, and, they didn't want to be around these teachers that, you know, were telling them they were B or C students when this, the kids knew they were going to make more money than the teachers ever made. Yeah, the kids are bouncing off the wall because they got ADHD and they're just they're, – they're creative and they're confined to uh, sitting in a row at a desk looking at a blackboard. Uh, yeah, like, but, we're not, I'm not supposed to be like teachers. I'm not supposed to be like doctors. My, my person – you know, I'm on the spectrum for Tourette's, which is thinking out loud. I'm definitely an ADD. I've got 17 of the 18 signs of attention deficit disorder. I'm bipolar. And um, so according to the medical community, I'm a disaster. But that's what makes me uniquely me. And well, the school so, – so I think that's the group I affiliate with are the ones who they don't feel like it's not their right to do something. They feel like it is their right to do it. You know, they don't feel like they can't. They They – they realize they've been told their whole lives they can't and they're like, screw you. I'll show you. I can. Right. And so um, what I'm trying to do is bridge the gap. I'm not sure. I want, I think I want everyone, anyone who's listening to think they can't do it to say, screw that. Yes, you can. Great. That's part yeah, of bridging the gap. The other is, um, maybe painting the logical picture, which is 
everything emanates from nothing. <laughs> In other words, there's no, there's nothing logically that would separate you from being able to create your vision or me or the listener, right? Like we're, yeah. we all have, we're all working from the same stuff, air quotes, and that stuff is nothingness. It's, right, and realize that that there's that everything has already been figured out. That your R and D can stand for rip off and duplicate. You know, even building one eight hundred got junk. That wasn't a, a new idea. There were seventeen thousand independent junk removal companies when Brian started one eight hundred got junk. Yeah, and I love that rip off and, and duplicate. <laughs> so what we did is we just made we just branded it better. We charged fifty percent more than everybody else so that we could have better marketing and better sales and better customer engagement. Um, and then we just figured out how to charge a premium price for a service that you could already get. You know, even even in a market like Tor- Toronto, Canada, um, where the city would pick up junk for free every week, we do millions of dollars of sales there because we figured out a way to market it and show people they didn't have to do the work. You know, so I think you, people who are listening just have to decide that they want a better life or decide that they want a better relationship with themselves or their spouse or decide that they want to go off and run a business and then then describe what that looks like, kind of conceive, believe, and achieve that if you describe what it looks like and you listen to it and reread it on a weekly basis, it starts to become true. And share it with everybody. And then only surround yourself with people that believe in you that are going to support you. You know, if you've got a group of people around you that are saying, oh, you're stupid or oh, you're fat or oh, you can't do it, fuck them, leave them. Like, just... Like surround yourself with people that are saying, I believe in you and you got this and, and ask for help. And when you show people where you're going, they'll help you make that happen. That's beautiful. Yeah. The whole, the, the idea of making the decision first and then painting the picture, really getting into this vivid vision and your statement about using and leaning on uh, the books that have already been written you know, for inspiration and looking around you um, for inspiration and using synthetic imagination, right? This idea that you can piece object, you know, A and B and come up with C or something more. Um, so that's fantastic. Conceive, believe, and achieve. So I was looking up vision a bit earlier just because sometimes i like to do this cam and uh on etymology online and i believe it actually said something seen in the imagination or in the supernatural so i love that breakdown what's that interesting yeah and 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 the reason that's significant to me anyways is i just keep settling back on this idea that everything comes from nothing. (laughs) You know, we have emanated from this space of nothingness and all the things you can see, touch, feel, um, all have the same origins. So, so I'm just kind of reaffirming the statement to the listener that you can do this. Cam is, as supernatural as he is, he's, he's not, he's just, he's grounded and he's applying all these principles, conceive, well, believe and like, achieve. That's, that's something Napoleon Hill was, you know, saying whatever, 70 years ago. 
All right, a quick timeout. Again, thank you so much for joining me and Habits to Goals. I hope you are digging this interview. I want to share with you something pretty cool we've just thrown out there. You can catch this either live or recorded. It's a webinar I put on. It's about 60 minutes. It goes through nine major tips. It gives you background about the habit factor, a little bit about me, and an overview, an intro to something we have put together called the 28-Day Breakthrough. Fantastic course. Really, the goal of which is... It's the old, you don't feed a man a fish or woman, you teach them to fish. And so this is built above, beneath, around the habit factor, really gets in depth with mission, vision, values, some great modules around goals in particular, energy, the mastery mindset. Those are uh, modules that are included. Anyways, check it out. All you have to do is go to thehabitfactor.com forward slash 28. That's the number 2828 day, D-A-Y webinar. That's thehabitfactor.com forward slash 28 day webinar. You can get the info, sign up, and hopefully we'll see you on the inside. And with that, let's get back to this fantastic interview. Cheers. Right. So, and, and you know, if you haven't read Think and Grow Rich, if you haven't read, you know, As a Man Thinketh, if you haven't read Rich Strand and Babylon, that's your fault. Like, they're available for free to listen to, right? Like, go to the library, get no, the book. No, those are three of my favorite books. I, in fact, The Habit Factor gives away as a man thinketh, as a as a free gift, if you will. You know, it's been out of copyright, but we prettied it up. And The Richest Man in Babylon is absolute genius. And Think and Grow Rich is is fantastic. So, yeah, I uh, you're putting it a little tougher, tough love, and I, and I like well, it. It's but all right. It's, I like it. It's it's, you know why it's tough love? Because I, I really want people to stop complaining about life being hard and choosing better. Like I was born right in a small town, in a mining town, a blue collar town. Right. To to a mother who worked and a dad who worked. Um we you know, my brother and I shared a bedroom until I was in grade eight. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. We lived in a, in a blue collar, you know, small part of the city until I was in grade nine or 10. Right. Uh, I got, I got 64% in high school and I got 62% in college. It took me th- four years to finish a three year degree. <laughs> but, um, and I still have my transcript. It's horrible, but I decided to give a shit and I decided to push myself and the try. And then I realized like, everybody's dumb. Everybody, everyone listening is a, is a 16 year old trapped in an adult body. We just have to decide what we want for our life and go make it happen. And the greatest disappointment will be if we don't try. Absolutely. Look, I love it. I'm just, uh, I'm racking my brain. There's, there's a word that means self educate. And I don't know why it's not coming up. (laughs) I think you may know it. That's why I said it aloud. Autodidactic, basically. How the hell would I know that? I'm a dumb kid. Oh, (laughs) come on. You're you're brilliant. And and the reason you would know that, and I think you know the answer here, is because you you, you epitomize it. You have subscribed to the idea. It's in this philosophy. It's autodidactic. 
you? Well, you know, I had to subscribe to it because I didn't. I wanted to learn, but I wanted to learn the stuff that I was interested in. Correct. And I, I didn't want to learn the stuff the teachers were telling me I had to learn. It's self-taught. So, you, so you, I wanted to learn about business because I was interested in it. I wanted to learn about money and economies and how stuff works. So I learned about it. I wanted to learn about how to make money and save money. I wanted to learn about friendships. Like, you know, I wanted to learn about meditation and yoga. So I read about them. Um, and, so, and, yep. But I don't spend a lot of – like I couldn't tell you – well, I couldn't tell you the names of most sports teams. I couldn't tell you who's winning in any of the leagues that like baseball or football or basketball. I don't know. I don't watch – like I don't watch TV. I spend time – if I'm watching, I'll watch a show with a girlfriend or I'll go out and you know go out with a friend and do something. But I'm out usually doing stuff, not – Sitting at home? Yeah, the, um, the, the idea there is there's only so much energy and you, you, me, one has to pick and choose where they're putting their attention and focus and concentration. And, and so you would happily substitute knowing, uh, NBA teams names for how to meditate. And yeah, so that's I'd, the rather watch, I'd rather watch three TED Talks, which are free to watch than, than watch a, a baseball team play baseball. Unless it's my kid, unless my kid playing. Yeah, there you go. Brilliant. Um, all right, a couple more things. I we we jumped way over a uh, the meetings suck sucks book, and there's just a couple questions there I want to touch on because we we've done a very good job, I think, getting into. Uh, vision and vivid vision. I want to jump over uh, to meeting suck quickly, and we'll probably divert back on our way around second base here as we as we move to home. Um, meeting suck. What was the? Well, I think I know the inspiration for the book, but but kind of come at it from your angle. What was going on there? Well, it's interesting. I think, again, it's probably me just deciding I wanted to fix something versus complain about it. One of my clients, um, you know, I've coached them from 60 employees up to about 600 employees in the last four years. And they were complaining about meetings and they were saying, you know, meetings suck and our employees think meetings suck and everybody thinks meetings. I'm like, wait, well, have you ever been trained on how to run meetings? And the CEO said no. And I said, well, have you ever have you ever trained your management team on how to run meetings? He said no. I said, have your employees ever been trained on how to show up at meetings or participate while they're there? And he said, no. And I said, then of course meetings suck. I said, it's no different than going to Little League Baseball if you don't know how to hold a bat or how to catch a ball or throw a ball, just the basics. You're going to hate Little League and you're going to come home from your first couple of days going, Dad, baseball sucks. Baseball doesn't suck. We suck at playing it. You know, meetings don't suck. We suck at running them. Right. So I decided, I decided to codify how to actually – uh, you know, a third of the book meeting suck is how to run them. A third of the of the book meeting suck is how to attend and participate in meetings. And then a third of the book is what meetings you need to have to run highly successful companies. Well, and uh, that – sorry, uh, I was just going to say because we're a bit short on time, the, the first question that kind of pops up I think we're sharing with the audience, how do you know, how does a manager know when it's worth having a meeting <laughs> just out of the gate? Because I think first off, a meeting is any time that you have two or more individuals over the phone, on video, or in person. That's a meeting. Got and it. And so we have those a lot. What we need to decide then is you can have a maximum of three outcomes in a meeting. 
if you have more than three big things you're getting done, you should book a second meeting because the reality is you're probably not going to need the same people there for all of those things. Um, I think what people try to do is they tend to cover too much with too many for too long of a period of time. Instead of starting every meeting with a clear purpose, maximum of three outcomes and an agenda, what are we covering in what order and how many minutes are we going to spend on each agenda a, item? A maximum of three. Is there a quick filter, though, to just say, look, I don't need a meeting for this. I could I could shoot this off in an email or. Well, th- there is. There's, one of the filters that I have is can you shoot it off in a very, very short email that's easy to understand or can you do it in a Slack message? It's easy to understand. But we often misunderstand the meetings. I think there's a big pushback of, you know, another meeting that could have been an email. Yeah. Right. But look what happens to emails. People reply to them, CC them, they get misunderstood. You know, I could give you a six word sentence right now that means six completely different things depending on which word you put the emphasis on. And and so all of a sudden that written email could be more confusing than it was worth. And maybe it would have been better to have a four minute meeting. Right. I, I totally agree with that. We at the, uh, yeah, we we had a saying that you can only fail if you fail to communicate. And there you go. and uh yeah, there's no doubt email can be do more way more uh damage than good if it's if it's not crafted carefully. And short. You know, I tell everybody that your email should be a maximum of five bullet points long. I like that. And then so the GTR, the Good Things Report, the way we kicked off our meeting <laughs> was uh, was from – I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Ed Foreman. Do you, have, have you heard of the, the GTR? No. Do you know the background to that? No. Okay. So Ed Foreman's the only – speaking of autodidactic – so one of those great Nightingale Conan tapes I bought probably 20 years ago. Um, so Ed Foreman's one of the guys, I think he's only congressman from two states or was at the time. And his big tip was to always start the meeting with a GTR, the Good Things Report. Okay. So just throwing that out there. I, I think he's a great resource worth looking up. Ed we use yeah we use the uh, the good things or the good news we call it at the start of all of our daily huddles yeah there you go fantastic um, all right so we're round second base and I know with some of my uh, stock questions here Cam we'll probably weave in or out of a bit more of the vivid vision but the stock questions include. And the starter one, since um, you are a student of quote-unquote success, I'd love to ask you, have your take on this, how do you define success, sir? I'm already there. For And this is something that I had to realize, that I realized oh, 11 years ago when I was writing my first Vivid Vision and I was trying to define what success would look like three years out. And then I just wrote down, I said, I'm already successful. Everything else from here on out is a bonus. And I actually really felt that, that um, to, to kind of always be pursuing something to be successful is almost like chasing the horizon. You know, you're never going to get there. Um, God, I mean, the fact that we have electricity and running water and live in homes, like, and we live like in great countries and we've got, 
art and music and theater and friends. I mean, holy shit, like that's pretty successful no matter what your income level is. That's like you could be the poorest, <laughs> I love it. You know, yeah. Like you could be the poorest lit person living in, in the poorest state of, of America right now and you are living in the top one percent of all humans in the last, you know, thousand years. Works for like, me. Look, it works for me. I I uh but when you measure when you measure up, when you measure against someone who is more than you, you're always gonna feel like you're not there. And I think if we flip that to realize we are all already there, everything else is a bonus, that's amazing. It's kind of like the the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness should actually be the life, liberty, and the expansion of happiness. Like if it's the pursuit of happiness, it means we're not happy. What about the fact that we're already happy and we're just gonna be happier? I, I agree. I I and and I look at the founding fathers like they were gods, but but I'm not so sure about the pursuit of happiness part. Right, um, we're all, we're already happy. Yeah, I think uh, it can be a choice. Certainly. Well, well, how about the expansion of happiness? So so when you say you're already a success, how how do you avoid the and maybe you don't. Because I see you, uh, and you're you're always striving. There's another goal. There's another something to do. So your statement is it's all gravy from from here on out. How do you how do you keep your edge? How do you keep sharp? How do you keep charging? But why? But, but why do I have to keep sharp? Like you, you don't. With, well, I, that's what I'm saying. You you don't have to. It seems to me. <laughs> it seems to me. I think you're already super sharp. Seems to yeah, me. I, you know, it, I, it, 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 it's another book. That. It's another podcast. It's another. Uh, so maybe that's not even you trying to be sharp. That's just you being you, being creative. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just me being me. I, I'm not doing it to get ahead. I'm just doing it because it's natural. Like I'm, I'm going for a run today because I like running and it makes me feel good. And I like having another book because it makes me feel good and I got stuff to say. And I like, I like what I do and I like what I what I do for fun and I like my friends and I just want to do more of that. And so it's kind of more of, of the expansion of versus the pursuit of. Um, I don't feel like I have to do something to get better. I'm like, I have an opportunity to just keep learning, to be curious. Like I go to the main TED conference every year. Um, you know, it's a five day, you know, there's, there's thousands of these TEDx events, but I go to the main TED right. and I watch 123 TED talks in five days. Wow. And somebody said, well, what was the, you know, what was the ROI? I'm like, the ROI, fuck, it was just awesome. Like it was, <laughs> yeah, the ROI was, is, my head's about to explode. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it was five days of awesome. Like I had more fun learning in those five days than I had in 18 years of school. Like it, like ROI, yeah. man, my, my ROI is I'm alive. You, you can't even, you can't calculate it. You say, C- come back to me in uh, 20 years. <laughs> well, but, but again, it's not right. so much, but it's, I don't drive towards an ROI so much as it's just fun. What I get to do is fun. Beautiful. So let's go to the other, the flip that coin around. Let's go to the other side. How do you battle through tough days? Well, one was learning years ago that, um, you know, bipolar, I'm going to have my major ups and I'm going to have my major downs and to not worry about my major downs, just take some time off and not worry about the tough days, just enjoy them as another day because I'm, I'm not going to, I'm also not going to worry about the easy days. Like I, I, 
it's just a day. I'm going to be upper. And so what I try to do is leverage it. If I'm in an up mode, I will leverage that up mode by talking to the media or, you know, working on a business deal or talking to a, a person, you know, getting them engaged in what we're working on. Or, and if I'm having a down day, I'll take some time off and I won't beat myself up about it. I'll feel good about the fact that I'm an entrepreneur and I don't have to go work for somebody else and I get to take time off today. Um, you know, last night I was I was working a little bit later because I actually wanted to get some stuff done. And I rarely, rarely, rarely work nights. And then all of a sudden it was like 930. I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm done. And I just shut her down and went up and read a book for a bit and then went to sleep. Um, you know, now, like as soon as you and I are done, it's uh, it's 348 right now. As soon as you and I are done, I, I literally I'll be out the door in about six minutes and off on a drive to my kids baseball game and I'll go for my run. It's beautiful. So, so the idea that this too shall pass, you just lay low, you batten down the hatches and you go into this day may suck, but it's only one day mode. Yeah. It's kind of like a roller coaster. Like there's going to be ups, like on a physical roller coaster, right? There will be sure. ups and there will be downs. And then at some point the ride will be over. Got like it. None, but none of us are getting out of this alive. No, probably not. Rule number yeah. six. Yeah, we're all just walking each other home. So, but if you take it so seriously, it can be really stressful. But the reality is, yeah, this this too will pass. And this is just what we do for fun. This is just what we do to make money. This isn't our reason for being. That's awesome. But this is just what we do to make money. All right. Well, since we are short on time, let's hit a few more of these great uh, questions or great in my mind anyway. Uh, sure. Give me two or three of your best habits, Cam. Two or three of my best habits. So um, I'm pretty obsessive about because I need habits to um, kind of get me into my day or into my week. So visualization for sure with my vivid vision. Um, I've got a, a list of bizarre daily habits in the morning where, you know, I finish my showers with a cold shower. Um, I've got my lemon water that I have and my probiotics and my, you know, my gratitude journal. I think gratitude journals have been huge for me. Um in fact, I'll touch on that one a little bit. You know, I, I was pretty shallow on my gratitudes about a year ago. You know, I'm grateful for the clean sheets in the hotel or I'm grateful for all this good food I'm eating. Right. And I read, I read a note about this woman and she had 10 things she was grateful for. One was, I'm grateful for all the crumbs on the floor because it means my children are still at home with me. I love that. I'm grateful for the dirty laundry scattered around my bedroom because it means my husband is still with me. Wow. And I'm great. I'm grateful for, you know, the dirt on my car because it means I was out exploring the city. I'm like, God, this is awesome. Like yeah, that's like poetry, was, man. Wow. Yeah. I'm grateful for the, for the empty fridge because it means I can go explore the, the amazing food and abundance that's in our grocery stores. I'm like, shit, this woman has an, an ability to see everything. You know, I'm a, uh, grateful that my TV is not working because it allows me to go for a walk around nature. I'm like, fuck, this yeah. is so good. So I think for me, the habit of gratefulness on a daily basis and using a five-minute journal has been really powerful. That is. Uh, and then yoga. Yoga has been a game changer for me. I started that a year ago this week and game changer. <laughs> How's your flexibility? Oh, I feel like the Tin Man. With the <laughs> I saw that post. I just cracked up so hard. <laughs> better. It's be it's actually better. Like my running times are getting better because of it as well. So really, I did my first marathon two years ago. Congratulations. I at 50 years old. Yeah, it was good. It was nice to get it done. 
Yeah, that's amazing. And then uh, how about a bad habit you may be trying to uh, tweak, replace, get rid of? And by the way, this is optional. Some people just skip right over it. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, where do I start, right? (laughs) Uh, Swearing on stage. Oh, that's Uh, a good one. You know, I wish I didn't. And people are like, no, it's good. And I'm like, no, there's nothing good about saying. Like, I know that it sounds good and it feels right and blah, blah. But it doesn't It doesn't make me sound any better or add any value. So so swearing on stage is one I'd like to get rid of. And then drinking every night. Like, I used to just come home and I'd open some wine and I'd drink it. And, but the reality was it was just a habit. It wasn't um, – yeah. I wasn't even enjoying the wine anymore. So I'd say those are two good ones right now. Those are excellent. Wow. So I took I took last week off drinking. I didn't drink for the week. And then I took all of January. I didn't drink for the whole month of January this year. Same as last year. Yeah, that's funny. I did that last January too. And then I implemented this year something I call controls and constraints. Oh, what's so, that? Well, it's just this idea that there are, there are whiskey or bourbon days. <laughs> and <laughs> instead of one a night, it's three three a week and you can pick them or have target days. There you go. So it's just, it's implementing controls and constraints because I keep leaning back on this Epictetus quote, no man is free who cannot command himself. So anyways, I love that you're, you're observing your habits to that degree. Um, Before I let you go, a couple more, your favorite, books or a couple i mean we touched on a few transformational books you'd like to share any others wow um the surrender experiment uh the way of the superior man um 10 wow. happier those were all big ones this year great uh, i went through a big personal transformation in the last 12 months so i probably read 18 different books on personal growth that i've never read anything in that realm before radical those are great. Yeah, leaders are readers. <laughs> well, I think I think that what I want people to be reading is stuff that is focused on their goals versus reading at random. I think a lot of people tend to just read and they are missing the point. Like we only have so much time. It's like our three resources, people, time and money. You got to get the highest, highest ROI. To just read a book for the sake of reading is pointless, but to read a book that's tied to a goal that you have, a personal goal or a business goal or a life goal or something that you're working on, bettering yourself in, then then it gets really empowering. It's kind of like school. Like why were we learning all this shit that didn't right. matter? Why couldn't we have learned about the stuff that we were interested in? Well, that is precisely why the podcast is called Habit Two Goals. It's aligning and crafting intentionally those habits that are going to help you reach your goals more quickly. All right. I think this is the last one. Any tech tool, gadget, other than the smartphone itself, an app, something you just kind of can't live without, Cam? Yeah. The um, the app that I've been using a lot this year is called Commit to Three. And I've got a daily accountability partner, Joe Polish. And Joe and I both set our daily top three goals and we commit them to each other using that app. And that's been a real game changer because it really forces me to wake up first thing in the morning and think about what are the top three things I'm going to get done today. And then even if I just got those three things done, you kind of multiply three things times 250 business days. I'm getting 750 impactful things done over the course of a year. Most people can't say that because they were too busy checking their email. No, that's fantastic. Actually, Michelle is a uh, buddy of mine and it's a great app. 
So he's a he's an EO member from the uh, San Diego chapter. I think he actually got the idea from one of my speaking events when I was talking about Charles Schwab and Ivy Lee and the whole idea with the top. What we used to call oh it yeah, half-tech. everything on an index card. You got it. Yeah, yeah, and that was a story I used to tell. I learned it from Vern Harnish back in the day at uh, the old Rockefeller Habits Systems he used to run. Beautiful. Uh, well, Cam, it has been entertaining, enlightening, certainly educational. And Thank for you. all those autodidacts out there, <laughs> <You're> uh, <mean. laughs> Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, Cam. I uh, I thank you so much for making the time to share your story and your tips with the Habits to Goals audience. Um, is there a website? Obviously, with your new book coming out, we're gonna we're gonna hang a link to that. If there's any other way they can reach you, you know, contact you, any other promotions, just feel free to share it right now, please. Yeah, I think the best way is probably to, to be able to grab the books right off Amazon. And, and I think the best books even for anyone listening is, you know, The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs is probably the core one that will cover the basis for anyone listening. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, I'd say Vivid Vision really applies nicely to anyone in their personal life or business life. Well, I'll make sure we have links to all of the above. Cam, once again, thank you so much. It's been awesome. Say goodbye to the listener, and uh, we'll chat soon, sir. Thanks, Martin. Take care, everybody. Cheers. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from. If there's one thing I know, and I think Jim Rohn was the one who said this originally, in five years, the difference in your life will be largely based upon two things, the books you've read and the relationships you have fostered. Doesn't it make sense to take advantage of the downtime, whether you're on the road, on a run, in the gym, kill a couple birds with one stone, get a book going, it's phenomenal. It's I, The more people I turn on to it, the more uh, compliments I get. Not that I've actually done anything. 180,000 titles to choose from. You get one free book a month, 30% off any other book. Again, check it out. AudibleTrial.com forward slash habits to goals. I'm going to say that again real quick audibletrial.com forward slash habits to goals. And that is the number two. And of course, when you support our sponsors, you are supporting the show. So thank you again. I am extremely grateful. We'll see you at the next episode.